just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. It's Wednesday. It's been kind of a busy week. we got a lot of stuff to talk about, and we will get to it. But I have a couple of things I wanted to bring up and one email. So prepare for that. A couple of days ago, I did a TikTok, and um, I guess it kind of went viral. Now, you hear people say that a lot. Oh, my video went viral, and that could be anywhere from 100 views to a million views. And most of my TikToks get a fair share of views just by virtue of how many uh, followers or peers I have on TikTok. But this one went a little crazy. It went up to about 650,000 views since I last checked it. And that is a lot for me. Uh, You don't usually see that kind of activity on your videos. I mean, I'm thankful for it, but it doesn't typically do that. But when you have that kind of action on your video, you'll get the friends, the fans, the whatever, and they always make nice comments. And I'm appreciative of that. But you'll get the trolls creeping in. Now, on most of my videos, I don't see too many trolls because um, I usually block every troll I run into just so I don't have to deal with them and worry about them taking down my video. But when it goes this far and wide, you're going to get some creeping in. It's like when I do lives. As much as I've blocked trolls, you do a live and they just come flocking to you. And it's funny about these trolls. (laughs) They go from really stupid to really mean. Uh, The typical answer to me is when I say that Trumplicans are stupid and Donald Trump is stupid (laughs) The answer is essentially, I know you are, but what am I? (laughs) No, you're stupid. (laughs) And I just laugh at these things because it's so immature, so childish. And then you get the people that uh, call you a libtard and people that say that you're, uh, you're a socialist or a communist. And then you get the real mean people that will pick at your appearance or the way you talk or whatever or the room you're in. You know, they'll give you shit about your hair, your teeth, your face, your body, whatever it is. And they they try to be vicious, but most of them are illiterate. So what they say seems more funny than anything. And as I'm reading these, I'm blocking them mostly because I don't want to risk them taking down my videos. I mean, I'm not going to engage in an argument in the comments with anybody because that's a sure way to get them pissed off or ashamed or embarrassed and have them take you down. So I usually just block them. And I always put out that offer. You can come on the podcast. I'll argue with you all day. Not many people take me up on that, of course. But, But when I watch TikTok, I frequently come across people that are really upset, really sad, really crying. Because somebody said something mean to them in the comments of one of their posts. And I always go, man, if you can be hurt by these comments, you shouldn't be doing this. I spent a lot of years in the media. 
And let's be perfectly honest, with the kind of numbers of people that are watching TikToks, you're essentially in the media when you're doing what you're doing. And when you're doing this type of thing, you're going to get people that love you and people that hate you. And the important thing to do is don't take either one too seriously. It's just a show. It's just the Internet. And when people get upset about mean things that people say, I, I, I have trouble understanding that because that's kind of part of the cost of doing business when you do something like this. So when I see them, I just kind of go, yeah, fuck you, block, block, block. And I don't really take it to heart. I mean, I'll be perfectly honest with you. I've had worse things said to me by family members. So. So I'm not worried about some nondescript guy in the middle of fucking nowhere not liking the way my hair lays. But if you're on TikTok and you're doing videos, you are going, no, it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't have to be political. It doesn't have to be news. It doesn't even have to be opinionated. Whatever you do on TikTok and you throw something out there, there will be the people that love you, and that's nice, and there will be the people that hate you, no matter what you do. The important thing to remember is, I, and the reason I bring this up, I had somebody send me a note and says, I'm getting people picking on me, and I want people to like me, so what do I do? Well, what you do is what you do best, whatever that is. You don't worry about people liking you or not liking you. You just do it and see where the chips fall. The moment you start trying to change your style or the way you do things to accommodate an audience is the time that you fail. I had a situation when I was, I don't know, probably late 20s, 26, 27. I was working at a radio station. And I was the production director. Now, what the production director does is every day they come in and uh, people hand you commercials, and then you've got to produce the commercial. Now, the guy who was the general manager of the station is somebody I knew. I'd worked with him at a previous radio station. He came to me. He said, Mike, I'd like you to work for me, and I'd like you to be the production director. So, fuck yeah, that sounds good. So I started the job, and as I'm going along, Everything's going fine until he starts coming in the studio when I'm working on stuff. He goes, you know, I don't really like your voice. It doesn't sound like a major market voice. It sounds more like a median market voice. I say, yeah, but this is my voice, man. You fucking came to me and hired me. You knew what my voice sounded like. Now you want me to change it. Now, I was young and insecure at the time, so I tried to accommodate Tried to lower my voice or slow my pace or speed up my pace. And you know what happened when I did all those things? I got way fucking worse. I was so worried and so concentrated and so insecure about the way I sounded. The message I was trying to deliver was clouded because of that. And it was just a mess. Ultimately, I ended up leaving there and going someplace else that was much better. But I was so worried about what everybody else thought, I made everything worse. And that's the same thing I'll tell you about doing TikToks or a podcast or whatever. You can only do what you can do, so you might as well do what you do best. Whether everybody will appreciate it or not does not fucking matter. Just do what you do. And that's kind of what I decided to do when I started doing TikTok. You know, I looked at TikTok for a couple of months. I watched a lot of them before I ever started, try to get a sense of how people were doing things. And I quickly realized that 
most of the things that other people on TikTok were doing, I can't really do. So for me to try to do that would be foolish. So then I thought to myself, what's the thing I do best? Well, I worked in radio for the most part all of my life, and I decided to make my TikToks kind of like mini radio reports. I wasn't going to change my voice. I wasn't going to use any any filters on my face. <laughs> I laid my face bare to everybody, fresh out there to uh, any ridicule that would come my way. But the important thing is when you get the ridicule, disregard it. It doesn't fucking matter. Who really cares? These nondescript fucks don't like you or call you names. Let it roll off your back. It's just not worth it. Focus on what you do and what you do best and just fucking do it and disregard everybody else. And like I say, there'll be people that love you and people that hate you, but don't take either too seriously because it's just the fucking internet. I wanted to give you a heads up on something, too. You remember Tony Michaels, who's been on the show. Good guy. Talented guy. Um, he does some TikToks, but not as much anymore. He does a podcast every day, live podcast, like noon every day. How he does that, I have no fucking clue. And he came to me and said, listen, Mike, we're going to start this network on YouTube with people like you and other people all in this network. So somebody can go to one network and see a lot of similar content. I mean, everybody's different. The delivery's different, but still in the same mindset, the same ideology, people of a like mind, if you will. And he says, you know, the shit you do on TikTok and the podcast and Instagram and Facebook. I said, yeah. He said, would you be willing to come and do the same shit <laughs> on this new network thing? I thought about it for two seconds. I said, fuck yeah. I'm a content-making motherfucker. I'm good at quantity. Not always top-of-the-line quality-wise, but I got quantity down. He said, cool. And then what he said is, you know, you do the podcast every night. Why don't you just run the video of the podcast, and we'll put that up there. And you know I've talked about this before. I'm not doing that. When I do that... <laughs> I'm more self-conscious. I have to worry about what I look at uh, when I'm doing the podcast. And the podcast is kind of my safe spot, you know. I sit here with a microphone. I start talking. And if you were to look at me right now as I'm talking, my eyes are closed. And that's usually a lot of what happens. I tell people when I do podcasts or when I do TikToks or when I do traffic reports back in the day or a play-by-play -play of sports, it's all about momentum. If I start something and once I get rolling, it just kind of comes automatic. And sometimes closing my eyes helps me to concentrate. Well, that doesn't play too well on video. So I told him, I said, listen, man, I've got TikToks on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube on my YouTube right now. That's easy. I just do it one time. I spread it out all over the place. But if you really want to do something on this network... I'll do something totally different. I mean, it may be in line with kind of what I'm talking about in the TikToks and the podcasts, but it will be a brand new video. I said, how long do you want them? He said, three to 10 minutes, maybe 20 minutes. I said, perfect. I wanted to do something like that with my YouTube page and may still probably will. But I'd be happy 
to record something totally separate from TikTok and my podcast to put on your network. Now, I don't know how the network's going to do. I presume these guys know what they're talking about. Maybe it'll work. Maybe it won't. It's all about the people tuning in and listening, so we'll see what happens. So my point is, is the name of this network on YouTube is called Upwire, U-P-W-I-R-E. That's one word, I think. And uh, if you watched all my TikToks, listen to my podcast, and that's still not enough? Well, then you're a sick motherfucker is what you are. You're saying, no, I'm kidding. You can always go to this uh, YouTube Upwire, this network, and I'll try to put something there every day. It may be 10 minutes. It may be 15 minutes. It'll be a compilation of some of the things I'm going to talk about in the podcast, things I've talked about on TikTok. It's like everything else. It's the news of the day, the happenings of the day. So I just wanted to give you a heads up on that. You watch the TikToks, you get certain things. You listen to podcasts, you get a little more expanded versions of that. And then these uh, videos I do for this Upwire network will be something totally different and somewhere in between. See, I can sit and do a video for 10 or 15 or 20 minutes, keep my eyes open and be aware of my how I'm looking when I'm doing it. I just basically do it like an extra long TikTok I sit in front of my phone, I talk, and instead of going three minutes, I go 10 minutes and expand a little bit from there. So I just want to give you a heads up. Uh, This network thing's just starting. Uh, I don't even know how many followers they have, but if you (laughs) want to add to your schedule another 10 to 20 minutes, it's over there at Upwire on YouTube. All right, now I can open up my eyes. I'm going to read an email. This one comes from Gary. He says, many rational people ask, why do powerful GOP leaders support Trump when his actions are so obviously criminal and harmful to our country? Even when he insults their families, they continue to suck up to him. I have a theory. Years ago, before Trump was a presidential candidate, I heard that the Russian mafia owned by Putin owned or rented an entire floor of Trump Towers. I thought then they must uh, be using Trump for laundering Russian mob money. Fast forward to his control over the GOP leadership. I believe he has received mega uh, Russian mob monies and distributed it to the GOPers and now holds it over their heads. If they don't do as he says, he will leak the fact that they were taking Russian mob money. Some Trump humpers may say that this is just another conspiracy theory, but it sure makes a lot of sense to me. Keep up your daily dose of sanity for us boomers from the oldest boomer, Gary. Well, Gary, I think you're absolutely right. And it was more than just one floor. I mean, he, he had a number of Russians renting or buying condos in Trump Tower and some of the other places he has, some of the uh, golf resorts like Mar-a-Lago. And it was essentially a place to launder money. We know the Russians launder money with Deutsche Bank, who happens to be the only bank that borrows money to Donald Trump, so that's a little iffy there. And Donald Trump, when he got tied up with the Russians, it wasn't a nefarious thing in his mind. I mean, it was crooked, but that was day-to-day stuff for Donald Trump. 
But he wasn't looking to be a treasonist or to do something horrible to the country at that time. Now, later on, he did. But at that time, all he could think was money and success. That's all he wanted. He didn't care where the money came from. And a lot of money came from Russia. We know this because his son Eric said as much. Um, So, um, yeah, I think there's a certain amount being held over Donald Trump's head. Uh, Donald Trump is known to have been a mentor to uh, Jeffrey Epstein, whose entire business was about blackmail. So, yeah, I think this is a big part of it. I think he distributed a lot of Russian money. As much as Donald Trump wants to say that uh, the Mueller report and the Russia hoax was a hoax and uh, fake news, it isn't. And we're finding that out right now. We know for a fact that in 2016, the Russians did meddle in the election to benefit Donald Trump. Did they do that just because they're nice guys or they had some agreement with Donald Trump? Now, that said, I don't know that Donald Trump is necessarily a double agent because Donald Trump's not as smart. He's not smart enough to do that sort of thing. It's something I've said before. I think Donald Trump is a willful idiot. I think members of the Republican Party, I think Russia and any other foreign country could see that Donald Trump was easily manipulated. All you had to do is hand him some money, pat him on the back, kiss him on the forehead, and say, God, you're a genius. And he would do anything for you. You were now his guy. He would now pick Putin over his own intelligence agencies. That's all it really took. And as I've said before, I know this because, as, I, as I've often said, my father was kind of like a mini Trump. Same kind of personality traits. And when you're young, you're kind of fearful of this guy until you get to a point when you're 13 or 14 and you realize, wow, I can, can control this motherfucker. And I did. All I had to do was make him feel good, stroke his ego, and he'd do anything I asked him to do. It was that simple. It took till I was 14 to realize that and put me through a lot of shit prior to be turning, before turning 14. But things got decidedly better when I figured out how to control him. And, you know, we're talking about Vladimir Putin, who was part of the KGB, the Russian mob. He knows very well what Donald Trump is. He knows Donald Trump is a fool, but Donald Trump is his fool. And Donald Trump will do his bidding. There is nobody in America, in our history, that would work that closely with our enemies. But Donald Trump will for the fame, the fortune, and the popularity. That's why he doesn't care about what the intelligence agency said. His good buddy, Vladimir Putin, the guy using him, playing him like a violin, um, it's his buddy. It's his guy. No matter what he says, he's down for it. And he will... Throw this country under the bus, which he has done. So, Gary, I think you're probably absolutely right. We don't know exactly all the details of what he did or how he did it or how he continues to do it. But I think you're on track with what you're saying. I agree wholeheartedly. Now, we know about Letitia James, the attorney general of New York. She's got a civil lawsuit against Donald Trump regarding his fraudulent behavior in business. 
we know he's done a lot of it. I mean, hell, his company, the Trump Organization, was found guilty of 17 counts of fraud. And we know Donald Trump is in the mix there. So we also have this lawsuit filed by Letitia James, the Attorney General of New York. She's suing him for at least $250 million. And if she should win, part of the deal would be that no Trump would be able to start a business in New York. So this, for all intent and purposes, in addition to the convictions by the Manhattan District, essentially shuts this company down. Now, Letitia James is going to win this case because of all the evidence that has already come down, came out. And Letitia James asked Donald Trump to testify leading up to this lawsuit. Well, Donald Trump, of course, did everything he could to not testify. He tried to delay, divert, distract, whatever he could do. But when it came down to it, he was forced by law to go testify. There's a new video obtained by CBS News shows former President Donald Trump repeatedly refusing to answer questions in a deposition last summer for the New York Attorney General's investigation into fraud. CBS News released clips and a description of the hours-long footage on Tuesday after obtaining it through a Freedom of Information Act. Though a transcript of the deposition had already been made available, this is the first time the public can see portions of the video. And there's nothing more damning than hearing the words coming out of Donald Trump's mouth and being able to see his face at the same time. Now, you might might recall in 2016, Donald Trump said, uh, only members of the mob plead the fifth. If you're innocent, why do you have to plead the fifth? And I would ask the same thing. Why would you unless you were guilty? Well, Donald Trump entered this uh, deposition. He was being questioned by Letitia James and some other prosecutors. And Donald Trump pled the fifth 440 times. He wasn't going to talk about anything. And he was asked, well, you said this before in 2016. Now you are pleading the fifth. And he said, I don't think anybody that was in my position, meaning president, would ever answer these questions. You'd be a fool to not plead the fifth. So apparently Donald Trump has changed his mind about pleading the fifth. It's no longer a mob practice. It's no longer proof that you're guilty or or is it? You see, I don't know if Donald Trump and his lawyers didn't understand this, or maybe his lawyers understood it, and Donald Trump just forced the issue, as he is known to do. But here's the deal. If you're in criminal court or a criminal deposition, if you plead the fifth, that cannot be held against you. However, if you're in a civil lawsuit, as he is in this instance, and you plead the fifth, it can be held against you. Now, how would it be held against you? Well, a jury in a civil case might see pleading the fifth as a confession to doing something criminally. 
And for all intents and purposes, it is. People plead the fifth because they're afraid of incriminating themselves. If they're afraid of incriminating themselves, clearly they know they committed a crime. So, in fact, it is a confession in civil court. Now, over and above that, everything that comes out in civil court, including these pleading the fifth, can be used in a criminal court. And we know that Alvin Bragg is looking into the fraud charges directed directly at Donald Trump. He was kind of shying away from prosecuting Donald Trump up until the time the Trump organization was tried and convicted of 17 counts of fraud. Then all of a sudden, Alvin Bragg started talking a little more bravely and said he was looking into charging Donald Trump. Now, whether that happens or not, we don't know. But Donald Trump did him no, did himself no favors by pleading the fifth. A lot of people think pleading the fifth is a get-out-of-jail-free card. It is not. It can actually work in the opposite way, especially if it's done in a civil court like Donald Trump just had done. Now, before answering investigators' questions, Trump is seen denouncing New York Attorney General Letitia James' probe into his business dealings which a month later resulted in a lawsuit against the former president, three of his children, and the Trump Organization for an alleged tax-dodging scheme. And we know he did it because it was proven in criminal court. Basically what he does is he undervalues or overvalues his properties depending on what's advantageous to him, either banking and insurance or taxes. He says they're cheaper than they are when he's trying to get a tax cut. He says they're more valuable than they are if he wants to get a bank loan or for insurance or that sort of thing. So there's all kinds of fraud going on in this situation. Trump says of James vowing to look into his real estate business, this is what she knew, absolutely nothing about us. It was very unfair. The whole thing was very unfair. You tell them, Donnie, that's going to straighten their shit out. Once the questioning began, the 2024 presidential candidate went on to invoke his Fifth Amendment rights more than 440 times. News reports at the time found the video released Tuesday shows him defending that decision. He said this once before, and it's what I mentioned earlier. If you're innocent, why are you taking the Fifth Amendment? I was asking that question, he said. Now I know the answer to that question. When your family, your company, and all the people in your orbit have become the targets of unfounded, politically motivated witch hunt, supported by lawyers, prosecutors, and even the fake news media, you really have no choice. Well, the fact of the matter is, Donald, they're coming at you with things that are known to be facts. That's where the problem lies. It's not that you're innocent. You're far from innocent. Donald Trump went on to say, anyone in my position not taking the Fifth Amendment would be a fool, an absolute fool. Trump previously was highly critical of people pleading the Fifth, but now now it doesn't seem like such a bad thing for him. He's all about pleading the Fifth because it's his right to do so. And because he was former president, he has to. Because you know why? The whole world is against him. 
And this is classic narcissist behavior. This is something we've talked about before. I've mentioned before. He acts real strong and real tough, and he's bullying people. And as long as he's running people over, and they either start to believe him or can't argue with him because he makes too much noise, everything's working fine for him. But when that uh, starts to be not effective, as I told you, somebody like this, he can never give in. He can never say, oh, I was wrong. He can't do that. He's not capable of it. So he just doubles down and doubles down. And, and, you know, that's what he's doing here. And when that doesn't work, they start to play the victim. The whole world is against me. Of course I'm pleading the fifth, because the whole world is against me. Well, a lot of the world is against you, Donald, but it's not unfounded. You've done quite a number of criminal things, quite a number of corrupt things. And now's the time that you be held accountable. And therein lies the problem for Donald Trump. He knows he did wrong. He knows he committed crimes, that he's corrupt. But when it comes down to being accountable and taking responsibility for these crimes, he will never do that. He instead will say crazy shit like he did in this instance. He will lie and he will lie and he will flail with hopes that he can do something to fend off the attacks. Now, this is a very foreign situation for Donald Trump. He's never been in this situation. All the time growing up, he had daddy to back him up while he was in business. He had people that were uh, that were uh, always just saying yes, yes men, all over the place. Even if Donald Trump was wrong, they would say yes. And then when it took a shit, he would blame them. But they took it because they needed their jobs. They needed the money. But now we're in a much different situation. We're in a bigger playing field. We've got the government. People are now no longer afraid of him. He's lost a lot of traction in the last couple of years. And he's not as strong as he once was. But the, see, the thing is, he doesn't realize that. He still thinks he has that strength. He still thinks he has the ability to talk anybody into anything. He's not even self-aware enough to realize that that's gone. That's no longer a thing for him. So he doesn't know what to do other than what he's always done. And eventually it will fail. Eventually he will spiral, crash, and burn. And it's getting closer every day at this point. All we can do is sit and watch him and just wait for the crash. Because I guarantee you, the crash is coming. All right, we will take a quick break and we will be right back. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. So did you hear that Representative George Santos is stepping down? Now, I don't mean he's stepping down from Congress. He's stepping down from the committees he was appointed to by Kevin McCarthy. This says a lot. 
it seems as though that uh, the trouble that George Santos is in is starting to catch up with him, and he's starting to realize it. But I heard one media outlet say this, oh my God, George Santos is not going to accept his appointments. What's Kevin McCarthy going to do now? Come on, you're a little more aware than that. This is all about Kevin McCarthy's doing. You see, on Monday, Kevin McCarthy and George Santos met. They had a little conversation. Now, how could they meet and not talk about all this bullshit going on with George Santos, the fraud, the lies, all this shit? You know it came up. We also know that Kevin McCarthy is getting a lot of heat. He appoints George Santos to two relatively insignificant committees. But at the same time, he's trying to justify removing Eric Swalwell and Adam Schiff from some important committees. Now, they haven't done anything wrong. There's no reason for it. It's strictly revenge and strictly ridiculous for the Republicans to even try this. But people were making the comments, how can you take Adam Schiff on, Eric Swalwell off, but appoint George Santos? I mean, clearly this guy is a joke and a fraud. How can you possibly do that? And I would presume that the pressure is getting a little heavy on Kevin McCarthy because it's difficult for him to answer that question. There is no good answer to that question other than, we're just trying to own the libtards. So he has to do something about that. Now, if Kevin McCarthy said, yeah, you're right, George, you're off this committee, you're off that committee. Then it points out just how stupid and weak Kevin McCarthy is, and he can't have that, of course. So what he does, he meets with George Santos. He sits down and said, listen, man, you're fucked. You are fucked. You're going to jail. You're getting out of here soon. I can't do anything about that. But what I need you to do is to resign your seats on these committees. I'm not going to fire you. I'm going to give you the opportunity to recuse yourself from these committees to save some face and save some face for Kevin McCarthy, too. Now, I don't hear any of the media talking about this, but it only makes sense. They did report that Santos and McCarthy were meeting. We never heard the outcome of that meeting. Next day, George Santos steps down from these committees. I can almost guarantee you that's what happened. Kevin McCarthy put some pressure on so he can further legitimize taking off two completely innocent representatives from the Democratic Party from committee uh, appointments. He has no real good reason for doing this. So now at least they don't have the argument, well, you you appointed George Santos. He gets him to back off and says, listen, if you do this, I'll do whatever I can to protect you which is probably a lie because there's nothing he can do to protect George Santos, nor does Kevin McCarthy give a fuck about protecting George Santos. The only value that George Santos has is to Kevin McCarthy is one vote. And that one vote is important because he's got a slim majority in the House of Representatives. Had it not been such a slim majority, George Santos would be gone by now. 
But that's not the case. So George Santos is still around. So he basically went to George Santos and says, get off those committees, recuse yourself from those committees so I don't have to take more shit. And I'm talking about Kevin McCarthy. I can almost guarantee you that's what happened. Because George Santos isn't one to give in. He also is one of those narcissistic, pathological, lying sociopaths. They never say they lost. They never give in. They just keep doubling down. And that's what George Santos had been doing up until this point yesterday. And then all of a sudden, he gets this shred of integrity and says, you know what, I'm going to recuse myself. Guarantee you that wasn't George Santos's idea. Had to be Kevin McCarthy. Kevin McCarthy is getting too much heat for the bullshit he's trying to pull. And he wanted to at least get that off his plate. And he did with George Santos recusing himself from the committees. Now he can go further in taking Adam Schiff off and Eric Swalwell and trying to take Ilhan Omar off. Now he's not going to get the heat for the double standards. Now, Republican Representative George Santos, as I said, he announced Tuesday he's temporarily stepping down from his two congressional committees, a move that comes amid a host of ethics issues and a day after he met with House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. Again, that doesn't sound like it was... um, sound like it was just a happenstance meeting, and it just all worked out this way. Santos was assigned to two fairly low-profile panels, the House Committee on Small Business and the House Science, Space, and Technology Committee. Still, his arrival has left the GOP leadership frequently answering questions about the congressman rather than about their priorities for the coming months. I told you this before. The Republicans are all about perception. They're not going to pass any bills, so they got to make some noise. they got to somehow try to control the narrative. We're going to impeach Biden. We're going after Hunter Biden's laptop. You know, all that bullshit. They want that in the news every day, and they want that leading every headline. But it's not. Two reasons. Because it's all bullshit, and everybody knows it's bullshit. But more importantly, George Santos has become a distraction for the Republicans. As much as they want their doings out there in the public ears, George Santos is sucking up all the oxygen, and they can't get their narrative out because they've got this buffoon, this criminal, this liar in George Santos sitting in the House of Representatives. So they're in a tough spot at this point. If they get rid of them, Their majority is that much thinner. But if they don't get rid of him, he's going to be an embarrassment and cost them votes. So they're fucked either way they go. Now, in a prepared statement, Santos said he wanted to focus on serving his constituents without distraction. Well, try not lying about everything in your fucking life, and that might help. I want to personally thank Speaker McCarthy for meeting with me to discuss the matter and allowing me to take time to properly clear my name before returning to committees. Oh, Georgie, you think you're going to clear your name? I beg to differ. I don't know how you're going to do that. You can lie and bullshit and yell and scream all you want, but the facts is the facts. And you're a liar. 
Santos said, to my constituents, I remain committed to serving the district and delivering results for both New York's third congressional district and for the American people. Now, you might want to go back to the third district and see how they feel about you now, because I think it's a little different situation at this point. Now, before issuing the statement, Santos addressed Republican lawmakers in a weekly closed-door meeting they have when Washington Rep. Tom Cole of Oklahoma said the decision was well-received from the GOP conference. I think it was the appropriate thing to do, and I was proud of him for getting up and doing this. Yeah, he did this. But while all along, Kevin McCarthy's foot was up his ass. McCarthy met with Santos on Monday night, but did not disclose their conversation. You don't have to. We know what the fuck is up. After the meeting, all McCarthy said was, "Ah, we'll see. Now, the questions surrounding Santos go beyond his misrepresentations to voters to include whether his congressional campaign followed the law in its reporting to the Federal Election Commission. And we know he didn't. He first said that he donated $700,000 of his own money to his campaign, which is perfectly legal, but doesn't make sense because a year before he made $55,000 and he was evicted from a couple of homes. So he wasn't exactly rolling in money. Then all of a sudden he has $700,000 to support his campaign. That sounds a little fishy. It sounds like he got it from somebody else. And while he was getting heat for that, he went back to this financial uh, disclosure and said, oh, wait, no, I didn't donate it. Somebody else gave me the money and donated it, which doesn't get him out of any other problems. It just creates more problems for him because no one contributor can give him 700 or 1000 dollars or a million dollars or anything like that that is highly illegal and in addition he also said that his uh, secretary of the treasurer for his campaign signed off on it said treasurer yeah i didn't sign that that's bullshit so now we have to deal with him somehow um counterfeiting a Treasury Secretary's name on his financial disclosures, which again is highly illegal. So George Santos is not going to be back. He's not long for the House of Representatives. He's going to be dragged out of there kicking and screaming, I presume, because they will find the laws that he broke, and he broke many. They will indict him. And they might even just throw him in jail at that point. You can do that. Now, he has a little more money than he used to because he's getting paid to be a representative. But I don't even know that he has that much money. So we'll see what happens. I find it very interesting that you have a meeting with Kevin McCarthy. Next day, you step down from the committees. Don't tell me this was George Santos just making the right decision. I I don't think that's the case. Now, you remember at the beginning of this year, we had the Manhattan District indicting the Donald Trump organization, his CFO, and some other folks. And at the time Alvin Bragg took over, like January of last year, maybe a full year ago, he seemed to back off the concept of of prosecuting Donald Trump. 
Then when his office got 17 counts, 17 count convictions of fraud, he got a little braver and he says, yeah, I think we're going to look into Donald Trump and some of this fraudulent behavior. But Alvin Bragg sounds like he was getting a little cocky, or at least he was trying to save some face. So then he said, yeah, I'm going to look into this Stormy Daniels situation. This was hush money given to Stormy Daniels by Donald Trump by way of Michael Cohen to keep her mouth shut. Apparently, he had an affair with her prior to the election. And when we got close to 2016, he decided, I better shut her up. Well, it didn't work. She didn't shut up. We found out all about it. And so Michael Cohen went to court. He was prosecuted and convicted of the crime of the hush money. Now, when that trial was going on, they always referred to an unindicted co-conspirator. And it's clear they were talking about Donald Trump at the time they were doing this. Now, here's the weird thing. Michael Cohen, who was basically the go-between Donald Trump and Stormy Daniels, gets convicted and goes to jail. But they're saying this is a conspiracy. And they're saying that Donald Trump is an unindicted co-conspirator. Well, if Michael Cohen went to jail because he broke the law, then Donald Trump must be just as guilty. Now that Alvin Bragg is looking into that as well as the fraud, the financial fraud, Michael Cohen made a good point, and I think he makes sense. He said this particular uh, investigation into the hush money to Stormy Daniels may be the most damaging and the most quickly damaging to Donald Trump. He was asked why that is, and he said, well, of course, it's the easiest one. Donald Trump's names are on the checks. His signature is there. It's pretty clear that he was involved. And if Michael Cohen was guilty, then Donald Trump would be guilty too. So in Michael Cohen's mind, he thinks this is the easiest court case to win. And he expects it to be um, the one that may happen the quickest because they don't have as much to figure out. It's pretty cut and dried. He did what he did. He wasn't president at the time. And uh, now the Manhattan District is looking into it, and they are likely to put out an indictment at some point in the next year. Now, it's interesting As Donald Trump is listening to this about this investigation with Stormy Daniels, obviously he's losing his shit and he's starting to rant on Truth Social. Stormy Daniels thanked Donald Trump for one of his latest rants on Truth Social, saying it was the former president admitting her accusations about a past affair are the truth. Trump has long denied having an affair with the adult film actress Daniels. He's currently facing a probe into an alleged hush money payment he made to Daniels to keep the story quiet for his 2020 presidential campaign. 
With the news that prosecutors are presenting evidence in their investigation to a grand jury, it's already at that grand jury stage, which is the last step before the indictments come. Trump once again denied having an affair and oddly chose to attack the appearance of Daniels. Oddly, only a day later, Trump addressed the Daniels controversy again, this time saying it happened a long time ago. I heard that. That's a horrible mistake. You said it didn't happen. And now you're trying to diminish it by saying, well, it happened a long time ago. Donald Trump went on to say, with respect to Stormy, not Stormy's nonsense, it is very old and happened a long time ago, long past the very publicly known and accepted deadline for the statute of limitations. I placed full reliance on the judgment of the advice of counsel, all in capital letters, who I had every reason to believe had a license to practice law was competent, and was able to appropriately provide solid legal services. He came from a good law firm, represented other clients over the years, and there was no reason not to rely on him. And I did, Trump wrote on Truth Social on Tuesday, referring to former attorney Michael Cohen, who has refused to say whether or not he will be a witness for the prosecution in the Daniels matter. Of course he will be. He's the co-conspirator. He's the one that's already done the time. He's the one that's been deposed dozens of times by the Southern District and the Manhattan District on different topics. Now, in another post, he called the Daniels matter a witch hunt. Oh, we haven't heard that before. And an example of prosecutorial misconduct. Daniels actually offered a thank you to Trump, even throwing his own insult about her looks back at him. She said, thanks for admitting that I was telling the truth about everything. Guess I'll take my horse face back to bed now. Mr. Former President, by the way, that's the correct way to use quotation marks, she tweeted in a response to Trump. Yeah, when it comes to grammar and uh, writing, Donald Trump isn't the best. He's got a fairly limited vocabulary. He's not much of a speaker, and he's even worse as a writer. Uh, he doesn't know anything about punctuation. He doesn't know anything about forming a full sentence. So, <laughs> if we listen to Michael Cohen, we know that Donald Trump may be at most risk for his involvement in paying Stormy Daniels the hush money. We'll see what happens. I still have some questions about Alvin Bragg. He seemed to be kind of a pussy when it came to going after Donald Trump for whatever reason, even though there were facts and evidence. And again, somehow now that um, his office convicted Donald Trump's organization of 17 separate counts of fraud, he's starting to get a little cocky. He's probably going to go after Donald Trump personally for the fraud as well, and he'll probably win. But even before that, we've got the Stormy Daniels situation. So we'll see if Alvin Bragg actually does something. I think at this point, it's become so public. If he doesn't, he's going to get some serious shit. All right. Now, according to Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington, better known as CREW, the acronym, 
Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis is moving closer toward indicting the former president in connection to his infamous infamous call to Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger. Per Q, per Cru, <laughs> I'm having trouble here. Per Cruz Bree Sparkman, the special purpose grand jury has reportedly heard testimony from crucial witnesses, including Secretary of State Raffensperger, Trump's personal lawyer Rudy Giuliani, former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn, Senator Lindsey Graham, former White House aide Cassidy Hutchinson, and former Trump Chief of Staff Mark Meadows. Now, according to Sparkman, Trump is at the center of a string of alleged crimes that are both election-related and non-election-related. Some of the potential charges include solicitation to commit election fraud, making false statements, and potential violations of Georgia's RICO Act. Yeah, there's where the problems are going to crop up. He's going to have all kinds of difficulties with that fucking RICO Act. They got a lot of mobsters in New York on the RICO Act. And it sounds like they're about to get some down in Georgia. Because it won't be just Donald Trump. It'll be all those people that helped him out down in Georgia. We know Lindsey Graham made two calls. We know Michael Flynn and Rudy Giuliani actually went down to Georgia to speak to people. So they're in the mix. They are in the fucking middle of it. Now, during an appearance on MSNBC, Jonathan Allen explained why Donald Trump is having a tough time raising money. That's the interesting, funny thing. Donald Trump was always good at grifting money, always getting truckloads of money whenever he said anything. i got to get back in the Oval Office. Send me money. I've got to save America. Send me money. And those Trump fucks continually sent money. And what happened after they sent the money? Well, absolutely nothing. And I got to think that some Trump fucks are at a point now saying, you know, I keep sending this clown money and he keeps doing nothing. So now it's starting to show up in his fundraising. He's tried to reconstruct the uh, fundraising system he has for his campaign because whatever he had been doing is no longer working. He can't collect enough money to run for the presidency. Oh, he'll get some money. There's no question about it. But he won't get enough money. He certainly won't get anywhere near the money he had when he ran in 2020. So Donald Trump is getting a little nervous. Now, it's regularly been reported that Donald Trump is having a rough start to his 2024 campaign. Well, yeah, I guess so. He locked himself into Mar-a-Lago and didn't come out until he was shamed about it. Now he's trying to do some things. He went down and had a rally down in South Carolina, Columbia, South Carolina, I believe. And uh, it didn't look so much like a rally. It looked like a fucking, fucking knitting bee or quilting bee. There wasn't many people there because people are getting tired of it. I mean, Donald Trump can only lie so long, scream bullshit for so long, and eventually people are going to go, well, fuck. Yeah, he hasn't done anything about it. So Donald Trump is having his troubles. Trump has has long done poorly with large donors, and those big donors are shying away from his current run. Nobody wants to be associated with Donald Trump. They know he's going to crash and burn. But as Alan explains, the smaller dollar donors aren't coming around either. 
Well, of course they aren't, because you drained them of every penny they have. Not only did they take donation after donation after donation, on the website they set it up that every month there would be a reoccurring payment. So somebody giving $100, because that's all they could afford, ended up being set up to give $100 a month. That's the kind of grift that Donald Trump is involved in. The NBC News reporter uh, told Hallie Jackson, if you look inside these numbers, there are about 300,000 donors he got money from, Allen explained. 99.48% of those are under that $200 limit, which means that's about 3,000 of his donors are people giving 200 or more. So he still got that smaller dollar fundraising base. Donald Trump was anxious to announce, super anxious to announce his run for the presidency. He wanted to do it as early as July of 2022. Well, and of course, the reason he did it is because this dumb fuck needs attention and he thinks it's cover over these impending indictments. Now, he wants to get attention. But when somebody announces they're running for re-election, they need to get out in the mix. They need to show up in Idaho or Iowa. They need to show up at all the swing states and start talking to become visible and ultimately get some votes. Now, he ended up getting convinced not to do it before the midterms. Then as a result, when he got out and announced the campaign right afterwards, he's doing so in kind of fundraising doldrums. For all campaigns, they know after an election it's hard to raise money. The reporter closed. He hits his donors with requests day in and day out and is going to have to get get them to rejuvenate. And uh, I wouldn't bet on Donald Trump in this particular situation at all. Now, Lindsey Graham... It's weird with Lindsey Graham. Lindsey Graham goes with hating Donald Trump to being his lapdog. And Lindsey Graham is currently his lapdog, or is Donald Trump's lapdog. Now, Lindsey Graham appeared to warn away any potential opponents to Donald Trump on Monday night, telling them that only Trump can do Trump things. What's making him nervous is there's a lot of people coming out kind of acting like they're going to run for president. And that would be the worst thing for Donald Trump. If you get a bunch of people trying to primary him, the votes will get split and Donald Trump will get fucked. Lindsey Graham's first instinct was to fight back against Donald Trump and his brand of populism. His attitude changed once the former businessman landed in the White House. After that, the South Carolina senator became one of Trump's most loyal acolytes. Graham went on Sean Hannity's show on Monday night to discuss the looming Republican primary. As of now, Trump is the only candidate who is officially declared, but others are sure to follow. The Fox host asked his guests, so how will other candidates distinguish themselves against Donald Trump if they agree with his policies? The South Carolina lawmaker said, I really don't know, but I do know this. We're lucky as a party to have Mike Pompeo, who was a terrific Secretary of State, and Nikki Haley, a strong voice in the U.N. for the America First agenda. 
both of which were fucking horrible Trump humpers. And I just heard that it sounds like they're reporting that Nikki Haley at some point this week will announce that she will be running for president. She doesn't have a fucking prayer in the world, but she will try to run, at least say she's trying to run to grift some money. Now, a competitive Republican primary is sure to get ugly. Hannity asked his guest about that, and here's what Graham said. Graham said, we need to get ready for a real spirited contest. I'm for Donald Trump because I know what I'm going to get. We need somebody that on day one can get this country back on track, that can secure our border and bring order out of chaos. Somebody the Russians and the Chinese fear. Somebody that can take the fight to the terrorist. Now, Lindsey Graham, as evil as he may be, as much of a sycophant as he may be, he knows that everything he said there was a lie. And and if if he's anxious for Donald Trump to pick up where he left off, then we're talking uh, insurrection. We're talking about racism, misogyny, anti-Semitism, corruption, handing money to the rich. Lindsey Graham knows as well as anybody that that is a fucking losing proposition. But for whatever reason, he continues to back Donald Trump. And the presumption is that he has something on Lindsey Graham. And let's be honest, all the stories we've heard, there's plenty on Lindsey Graham. The story is he's gay and maybe likes to dress like a woman now and again, which under normal circumstances isn't that big a deal. There's a lot of people that do that. But he is dead set against the LGBT stuff. He supports Donald Trump, who's against those sorts of things, is anti-abortion, and uh, is a problem for this country. So other than having something on Lindsey Graham, why would he possibly support this guy? He's smarter than that. We don't know. And we know that Lindsey Graham's name may come up, too, when they start handing out indictments down in Georgia. Fonnie Willis may very well have an indictment with Lindsey Graham's name on it. And much like the situation we were talking about in the Manhattan District with Stormy Daniels, this Georgia situation may be even closer. As we know, they went to the special grand jury, then they went to a regular grand jury, presented the report, and all they have to do is make the decision on indictments. I presume they've either come close to that or will come close to it pretty soon, and shortly thereafter we should hear what the results are who, if anybody, is going to be indicted, and how many people are going to be indicted. I have a feeling it's going to be a number of people, and I have a feeling that Donald Trump may be at the top of the list, but we will see. As I've told you before, Donald Trump only needs one indictment, whether it comes from the Manhattan District, Georgia, D.C., the DOJ, it doesn't matter. Wherever it comes from, we just need that one indictment, and it's all over for Donald Trump. All right, we are going to wrap up the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you for taking time out of your day to listen. If you got more free time, go check the Upwire Network on YouTube. I've got a um, about a 10-minute video there. If you just haven't had enough, and God knows why you wouldn't have, um, you can check it out there at the Upwire on YouTube 
and uh, I'll be doing regular video type mini podcast, if you will, 10, 15 minutes in length. If you're in a hurry and don't have time to listen to the whole podcast, you can always go over there and check out the mini podcast. All right. Have a great day. We will talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.